Welcome to Two Guys, One Book, where two friends tackle their reading list one book at a time. All right, welcome back. <laughs> right, Brian? Are you there? I'm here. <laughs> Who are you? Oh, oh yeah, I'm Tim. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think our fans should know by now. Our, our fans should know by now, but what if some random person just happened to be browsing the web and out of the <laughs> infinite number of websites they could land on, they land on ours, perhaps yeah. because they're interested in Hemingway. The Old Man in the Sea. Which the Old is Man in the Sea. Our book today, yeah. which I picked. Yeah, you picked it, Tim. Why yeah. did you pick this? Great question. Um, let me think about that one. <laughs> Okay, so the shortness was a big factor. I feel like we've had all these, you know, longer books, and it's like, you know what, let's switch it up. And, uh, and yeah, it was nice. Don't you think as a change of pace, just like, you know, a little no- novella? novella yeah, know? yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I'm glad it wasn't longer. I mean, he, he, <laughs> he could have made it longer. I feel like this is also one of those things where, yeah, you know, because Hemingway, I mean, like, I don't feel like a, an established author like Hemingway could just throw out a little novella like this today. You know what I mean? You don't think so? Well, I think I think authors would be like editors and publishers would try to push them to like, why is this only 100 pages? Well, you know, make it make it at 250 at least make it some substantial, you know? But our generation, I mean, we live in the age of TikTok. Like, imagine if J.K. Rowling just put out, like, five novellas every year. And, mm. like, you know, just, I feel like you can take more chances as an author and, like, explore different universes, that sort of thing. So if they just write a little short story, throw it out there, and basically see if it sticks. Yeah. And then you can invest more in that series based on, like, how people respond to it. Oh, you you talking about like setting up in a series format? I mean, if if the author wanted to, I guess. Uh-huh. So okay, let me compare well, this to something we read before, like Ted uh, Chang's, um, you know, Exhalation. Ex- Exhalations, yeah. Which like so those are a series of short stories. So it's in between, like, um, you know, so the novella. I'm saying that right, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, novella. Okay. Novella is between a novel and short story. It's like that middle mm-hmm. ground. Mm-hmm. Right, right, like hundred right. pages. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, and I think those are uh, a good. There can be very good novellas. I would say, like you know, Animal Farm is a novella, right? Because yeah, I don't. I think it's. I think it's more than a hundred pages, but still, it's like a short little uh, book. And 1984 wasn't a whole lot longer than that, right? Oh no, 1984 was longer. 1984 is a novel. Okay, okay. Yeah. So Animal Farm, though, like. And think about the impact like a book like that has had on culture and society and how influential that is. Like, right. You know, a book can be powerful without being long. Right. Sure. But what was your point about bringing up exhalation? Like you, you were just talking about like on one end, there's the novel Uh, on the other end, there's a spec, there's a short story and the novella is just right. (laughs) Yeah. It's the Goldilocks of, uh, yeah. (laughs) of Reading material. Are you only going to pick novellas from here on out? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Strict, yeah, strictly novellas. We're going to do two guys, one novella. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no. The point in bringing uh, Exhalation up, that book, was I think like he explored a lot of different 
interesting ideas and we each like like one or two short stories more than the others and everybody's like you know opinions and tastes are different and then like i think there's whole shows or movies or things being based on those you know based on the plots he came up with and like arrival was based on a short story he did before right so mm-hmm. um you know i'm just saying like it's an interesting idea to think about like authors churning out you know, like producing things more quickly that could lead to bigger things, just kind of like easier to test stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't know, just something I'm thinking about. Yeah, no, I mean, I and I mean, and that's why I like the short story. You know, I like the short story because you can get a collection of them in a book most of the time. Mm-hmm. And you can you can you know, when you're reading one that it's only going to be temporary so if you enjoy it you know it's like oh my goodness this is only going to be a short little story i can't you know or if you don't like it you're like okay i, I you know i'll get through this one in the next story we'll see what that one co- goes like uh the author george saunders is a very good author one of my favorites he does a lot of short stories um and he always i, I saw an interview with him one time where he s- explained the short story is like telling somebody uh i love you it's like you don't want to you don't want to draw it out you want to get to the point you want to say i love you this is it this is you know and so that was his kind of way of viewing short stories which i found are interesting. they are they fiction short yes. stories okay yeah, i mean he he all he has some that are like memoir ish i think okay um but um but yeah his are mostly fiction and very good ones 10th of december i can't reckon i can't recommend that one enough uh that collection of george saunders but but then but Novella, I like novellas. You know, I, I agree with you. It's a nice, short, quick read that doesn't take up too much time and isn't too, doesn't get bogged down. Um, but is that the only, you just picked it because it was a short Hemingway <laughs> book? Is that basically it? Okay, other reasons. Uh, you know, it's considered to be a classic among many people. Um, I liked The Sun Also Rises. I read that a while ago. Um, I think Hemingway in general is just kind of a cool, interesting dude. And uh, thought it might be fun to read this, yeah. I do agree with you there that Hemingway is a fascinating character in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read up on more of his life after finishing this book and he was like traveled all over the world, lived all over the world, um, was in like, but he also was like an alcoholic and very accident prone. He was like in multiple <laughs> car crashes and he, he was, he was in two plane crashes and in survived. two straight days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, That's like, crazy. It is crazy. I mean, so he is a fascinating person. Um, and I also looked into more about him, his, uh, like, his hatred of the adjective, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which I think is interesting because it is a very bare-bones uh, storytelling, narrative-driven, um, which is good. Um, but... You know, I also I've only read The Sun Also Rises of his other works, mm-hmm. and I didn't I don't know I didn't care for that one, um, but maybe it was the time in my life or you know when I read it, but um, yeah yeah so we read The Farewell to Arms A Farewell mm-hmm. to Arms in high school and mm-hmm. we were taught his whole like iceberg approach where it's like you show a little on the top yeah. and then the real meat of the story is like underneath the water that you don't see like an iceberg and um 
And, you know, I kind of like that idea. I feel like my big complaint with a lot of the books we read that we read before and continue to read is that the author just like goes on too long and like, you know, they just need a good editor to just like, you don't need that, like cut this out, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and I don't know if that's cause I have a short attention span or if I just think people think are so. <laughs> rambling. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, you you but, spend too much time on TikTok. You're used yeah. to those short. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you can learn good things on there too. But, uh, <laughs> No, I mean, okay, so here's what I would say. And I want to get your thoughts on this too. Like, I like the idea of like minimalist sentences and kind of simple language, not trying to embellish stuff too much. But like, at the same time, could do you think that's just kind of being lazy and not fully like, you know, he's not as descriptive as some authors. He doesn't maybe go as much into character development or plot development like in this book, I felt. Um, you know what I mean? Like, you can call it minimalism and, and deep, but is it also kind of, falling short of what it could be. Oh, I, I, I do agree that it, that it can fall short because like you said, this iceberg theory is nice in concept, like, Oh, just tell a little bit. And then the rest under the water is what is really what's all the meaning is under the water or whatever. But how are you, how is the average person reading the book supposed to glean all that information under the water? You know what I mean? Because I feel like, the, the, you know, apparently the old man in this book is not a native Cuban. And I was unaware of that as I was reading the book. I just looked that up. I just read that after the book. And so one of the themes is this, like, you know, him as an outsider or refugee in Cuba or, like, foreigner in Cuba He's like from the Canary Islands, though, so not that. I mean, so basically, what I'm getting at is there are levels to the story that I had no idea while I was reading it, or even when I finished the book that I had to read online. And I, and that's the thing is like, how much studying do you have to do to fully appreciate a book? Mm-hmm. I mean, is that something that you know should be? I mean, it, it challenges the reader. Sure, it makes the reader try to glean what is really under the surface of the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, the reader is not an expert. The reader can be anybody. And so the reader can take and, and can misinterpret things even. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's cool that he can just slip a few lines here and there that like, you know, kind of um, put things in a whole different light and context and provide all the background of a character Um you know, in just a short amount of sentences. But like, at the same time, it's like, you know, there's that balance between serving everything up in a platter to the reader and saying, here's exactly what's going on versus like, read between the lines, what's, you know, what's the iceberg that is really happening, right? Yeah, I get that. And, you know, one thing I enjoy is a movie, when I watch movies, I enjoy a movie that isn't like, doesn't, take me by the hand and, and walk me through everything that's happening and get up. And, and so, you know, I like being, being able to pick up on one little line in one scene. I'm like, Oh, that explains that other thing in the other scene without saying all that, if that makes sense. But some movies can be too confusing, like tenant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of movies though, have you seen uh, midnight in Paris with, yes. Okay. Yes. So the one part 
Well, one of the parts I really love in that is um, the guy who plays Hemingway. He's just in a few scenes, but he's just like so intense and like speaks in short sentences like his books and just like wants to fight people at a bar and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. That was hilarious. Oh, yeah. The Hemingway character in Midnight in Paris is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, like it it definitely he steals every scene that he's in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great movie overall. Yeah. That made him look like a fun person. Like. I mean, he, like you said, he traveled all over the world. He, like, had all these crazy adventures and romantic, you know, flings or what, or whatnot. Um, but that's one thing that's missing from the book, though, I feel like, is I remember Farewell to Arms and A Sun Also Rises. Like, there's the romance is a big aspect to those books. But here it's just, like, you have the dynamic between the old man and the young uh, uh, sailor, yeah. right? And I feel like it's more like a mentor-mentee relationship, which I think they're a dynamic school. Like, they both kind of respect and, and like each other. But, mm-hmm. you know, other than that, I don't feel like there's a whole lot of, like, plot or character development. Like, I don't know. what did you. We didn't really do a summary, but do you want to, like... Oh, no. You do the, yeah, do the summary. I mean, it's going to be quick, because, like, I feel like, you know, there's an old man. <laughs> he goes fishing. He, you know, he catches a big marlin. And he's just kind of out there for days and, and just, like, struggling. He's, like, fighting off these sharks, trying to catch it. And there's, like, <laughs> man, I don't even know. Like, you can you can sum it up. I feel like <laughs> there's not a lot that goes on, really. Right? Oh, my goodness. I could, I could sum it up much better than that. All right. Go for it. All right. So this old man is a fisherman. You, you've got one minute. <laughs> All right. Old man is a fisherman. He has, he, he has a young... Uh, friend who's who's a young man who is also a fisherman but the young boy fish goes and fishes with other people because the old man hasn't caught a fish in 84 days or something like that Mm -hmm. and so the old man goes out and finally catches something on one of his hooks but the fish is a huge and it's pulling his little boat further and further out to sea and eventually he wears the fish down after like three days and hauls him in, kills him with a harpoon, and and the fish is so big he doesn't fit in the boat. He has to lash him to the side of the boat, and then he's then he puts up his little sail and he starts to sail back to Cuba. Um, but then as he's sailing back to land, sharks come up to the boat and attack the the marlin over and over again. He and the old man is able to kill some of the sharks, but still more sharks come and more sharks come until eventually they eat all the meat off the fish, and all that's left is a the marlin head with a sword um, and then bones and the big tail. And so he pulls into the, the uh, harbor late at night or early in the morning and he goes straight to bed and everyone is amazed. Like there's his boat. There's the marlin. We thought he was dead and gone, but they measured it, it was 18 feet long, but um, no meat left. So it was wor- basically worthless. So the end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, the boy, the boy comes, the boy comes and helps him out then too, and takes care of him so that the old man will get better, apparently. Yeah, and I feel like people yeah. will, yeah, that was a good overview. But like, I feel Thank like people you. will read that and be like, you know, that's all that happens, and it's just like, even you know what I mean. But like, I enjoyed the part where he's like fighting the sharks and stuff that got mm-hmm. pretty intense. And oh uh, yeah, and like as a character, I feel like the old man is cool. Like he's like very stoic, and he's just mm-hmm. trying to like you know get this fish and like you know provide for himself and and whatnot kind of conquer this this uh thing but right i don't know what do you what do you think oh yeah i i definitely like that it's like an um and he has such an appreciation for the sea and for the fish that he is battling he respects it and loves it but he knows 
he's going to kill it. And so like he's killing something that he loves and, but he's killing it to feed other people and to provide, you know, because he'll sell the meat and then he'll make some income. And, you know, that's what he does. A fisherman fishes or yeah. So, um, doesn't yeah, it suck that it was all for nothing though? Like he's dragging this marlin and then the sharks start eating it and right. he comes back with the skeleton. But then again, he also kind of earns the respect of the people around him and, uh, and the boy and stuff. So, you know, just to see that he did manage to like capture something so big and, and almost bring it home. Right. Um, and I, and I think that is part of the iceberg, right? Mm-hmm. That things in life are fleeting and come and go. But, what really matters is what we do, you know, and the fact is that he caught that fish and he has proof that he caught that fish and everyone's astounded by that. So yes, he, he wasn't able to sell it or make money or so he's still a poor fisherman. But like you said, there's so many other rewards um, that go into uh, large achievements such as that. Yeah. Don't you think there could have been more background? Like, they talked a bit about how he like used to arm wrestle some people back in like I don't know right like that was just kind of thrown in there but that I was, wish they kind of like dwelled a little more on his past and like you know characterized him a little more right and that's what I'm saying is like if Hemingway took this to his publisher today they'd be like oh well give me more give me a hundred more pages about the backstory of the fisherman you know yeah and they could have easily done that because at night when he dreams he dreams of African shores and lions on the beach yeah. You know? He could, they could have wanted all of that too. But you're right, that whole part with arm wrestling seemed kind of random. Yeah, where's the prequel? Uh, you know, anyways, could have made this like a seven page, seven book series like Harry Potter or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so did you, did it live up to your expectations? Being uh, short, check. I've, okay, <laughs> here's the thing. I feel bad because like I know it's a classic and it did have its moments and like it's well written. I think he's good with with imagery and like you know you know capturing different moments but like i said i i could use a little more plot a little more background characters maybe a romantic thing thrown in there Mm. if it wasn't if it wasn't forced you know what i mean like because i did like that aspect of sun also rises and farewell arms but um you know i don't know what do you think what uh did it live up to your expectations i mean i think so it did i mean i didn't have the highest expectations because just from my one other Hemingway experience, um, you know, I thought it was good, good story. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. It just, it just was like, I don't know. There's like some pizzazz that's missing. I can't explain. Yeah. It. I can't explain it. It's like, I mean, I don't know. It's in the iceberg. The pizzazz is all <laughs> under the water. You gotta just look under the water. And see the yeah. Pizzazz. If only I knew all the yeah things under no, the water. I I know what you're saying. It could have used a little more spark to it, or yeah. you know, just something to. But maybe because it was written so long ago, like back in the day, people are like blown away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I don't get. Is like this book won the Pulitzer Prize. Hemingway won the Pulitzer Prize in literature for this book. And then he went on to win the Nobel Prize in literature like the following year or two. And the Nobel Prize is more of a career thing, but they specifically mentioned this book in awarding him the Nobel Prize. Like he's the master of the narrative. And that is true. And I don't mean like to disagree with that, but I just find it interesting that this is the book of all of Hemingway's books that 
people were like, oh, yes, this is, this, let's award him all these awards now. Yeah, because, and I don't mean to keep bringing it up, but, like, some of those arises, they had, like, bullfighting, they had boxing, mm-hmm. they had the romance, like, they had the backstory of him being, like, a soldier before. Like, I feel like that just had a lot more, it was more, like, well-rounded, more going on. Um, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe back in the day, you know, they didn't have, like, Netflix or something, so this was <laughs> considered the highest <laughs> entertainment. This uh, is a binge-worthy book, right? Yeah, I guess. So, I mean, you can read it quickly. Yeah, yeah. What's the oldest book that you like? What is your favorite oldest book, I guess? Mm. That's a good question. Because I'm trying to disprove to myself that I only like books published after, like, you know, a certain date. Uh, you want, like, new books is what you're saying? I'm just wondering, like, is everything from this era going to not capture our attention or like are we forgetting some masterpieces that well, you know do you like the great gatsby that's from this era i remember liking that it's just been quite a long time yeah that's a good one when was that was published around this time uh I mean, they were the friends 20, right? well yeah yeah they were con- contemporaries i think um i think great gatsby was like in the 20s or so um, but this book, this book was at the end of Hemingway's career. F. Scott Fitzgerald passed away, I don't know, before this one was book. Before this book, Greg was Gatsby book. was 1925. Old Man in the Sea was uh, 1952. That yeah, be. really? Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, that's so it. Was one of, it was his last book. But like, that's just it. Like, he wrote, he published other books in the 20s. 26 was Sun Also Rises. Right. Right. Okay. Cool. So. Actually, The Great Gatsby was part of the inspiration for Hemingway to write a novel. Okay, so okay, so that's the thing. It's like I feel like, I mean, maybe I'm just making some crazy theory here, but like he was so popular before that when this came out, you know, like this is 30 years almost after Sun Also Rises. Like he already established a name for himself. Mm-hmm. Maybe a bunch of people, the Pulitzer place, just decided we're gonna freaking <laughs> love this thing. <laughs> I mean, it could be about anything, but tell me. Right, so right? yeah, yeah. Okay, so this was maybe maybe that's it. Maybe there maybe he because I think he wrote some other stuff in the 40s that wasn't as well received. He um, wrote For Whom the Bell Tolls in 1940. I haven't read that one though. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, but I think he wrote some stuff after World War II that wasn't as well received, but then maybe The Old Man in the Sea came out and everyone was like, yes, this is the Hemingway we know and love. Let's give him awards. <laughs> like uh, how Christopher Plummer won an Oscar for Beginners. It's exactly like that. <laughs> I, I don't know. What is Beginners? I don't know. What that uh, is. Exactly, right? <laughs> But that's yeah, what that's, Plummer won his Oscar for. Yeah, like people like I feel like Tom Hanks. Well, Tom Hanks is great. I love Tom Hanks, yeah, but yeah. like you know, does he need an Oscar for every movie he's in? And like <laughs> he hasn't won an Oscar since I think Forrest Gump or Philadelphia, right? Okay, I'm, I'm just saying too. I'm not saying him specifically. I'm saying yeah. like yeah, Christopher Plummer as an example. Like some people are just going to decide ahead of time. Like this guy's established, so let's mm-hmm. give him, um, you know these prizes <laughs> based <laughs> right. on his past right. successes. Right. Um, right. But no, he was friends with F. Scott Fitzgerald. I think there's some stories of them both in like Paris, you know, yeah, Midnight in Paris, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Which that'd be cool to imagine. Yeah. Who else was in Midnight in Paris? Like the famous people. They had, I like, 
Oh, go ahead. Well, I liked uh, my favorite one. I forget all of them, but I don't forget. I can't remember all of them. Yeah. But my favorite one was Adrian Brody played <laughs> Salvador Dali. Dali. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like talking about like rhinoceros and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Was he so he was there like with Hemingway and Fitzgerald? Like I wonder if their paths crossed. I don't all. know about that. I didn't read about Dolly when I was I read the whole Wikipedia page on the Ernest Hemingway. So let me tell you, Tim, I am an expert. I just Hemingway. edited that a few hours ago. So <laughs> <laughs> Oh, do you really it. edit stuff on Wikipedia? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, they uh, have a whole approval process. Yeah, I would be impressed if you did, Tim. <laughs> no. You could put our you could put our podcast on Wikipedia. <laughs> have our Wikipedia page say Two Guys One Book is the greatest podcast of all time." <laughs> It'll get flagged and taken down. This <laughs> information. Okay, anyway, what'd you read about? About, yeah. What? Would you would you read about him? He said he read about him. Oh, just that like when he was in Paris, he did meet with like Gertrude Stein, F. Scott Fitzgerald, um. What are some other more? I mean, like a bunch of other people that are lesser known. That'd be cool just to be like a fly on the wall at a bar with like F. Scott Fitzgerald and Hemingway hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is like the basis of that movie, basically. Well, although, <laughs> although, you know, if it was before The Great Gatsby was published, then probably it would be like just a fly on the wall with two writers in L.A. Like, oh, yeah, I'm working on my novel, you know? <laughs> so pretentious. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so, but, you know, they had interesting lives that kind of helped their books oh. become interesting, I think, right? Yes, and that and, that that is one thing I found interesting, is that all the things, there are many things used in his books, and I think, like, there's there's so much of that, that, that you can see a direct link from, you know, like, oh, his dad took him up to Michigan, and, and he hunted and fished, and you know, and then so he puts that in some of his early short stories. And then he was in Europe and Paris and we went to bullfights and then he wrote about bullfighting. You know, it, it was just so much about his lived experience directly uh, resulted in his works of uh, literature. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I kind of like semi-autobiographical stuff because it just feels a little more like authentic. Like that's why I kind of gravitate towards like Kerouac books and stuff, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And we visited his uh, one of his houses in Key West. He like you can go do a tour of his home, and um, you know he's got all these like <laughs> cats with thumbs who live on the property randomly. So wait, <laughs> you know, wait, like, what? Like you know, like six-toed cats are like, yeah, there's some breed of cats that like are Hemingway cats, and they just all live on his property. It's weird. <laughs> I don't know. He's a weird guy. Do so. I I have so many questions now. <laughs> like, is the fact that they have six toes make them Hemingway cats? Like, I think they're just associated with him because there's so many like on his property in that area. I forget the whole story, but someone like brought them there and they just started breeding a lot. <laughs> so there are other cats that could have six toes that are not Hemingway cats. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just know there's a lot of weird cats in his property. Okay, all right. And, and it's kind of fun to read about like his backstory there. Like he would like, you know, I feel like Key West in general is a place of like a lot of like quirky, eccentric people. Mm -hmm. And like he would like go fishing there, probably inform like his old man in the sea book and like, mm -hmm. you know, get involved with boxing <laughs> randomly here and there yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. So who are the people today that like, okay, the whole point of Midnight in Paris though is like people over romanticizing different eras, right? right. And being like, oh, I wish I was alive at the 
60s, mm-hmm. 70s, 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, who are the people today? Like you wish who are like young in their career that you'd be like, oh, it'd be cool to like, you know, sit in a dinner or overhear them, you know, getting drinks. That's a good question, Tim. Maybe the Black Keys for me. I like the Black Keys. Uh, I think I that... think they're they're very they're two weird guys. Like <laughs> they're very socially awkward and and do not do the whole media yeah. thing. But right. they're musicians, you know. That's what they do. They don't care about media. So would that be an interesting conversation though? It'd just be like they express themselves through music. They're probably like, <laughs> what would they talk about? Even I wonder. I guess is that the point? <laughs> that yeah, that's like, the point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they seem to keep a low profile. Like yeah. even their uh, their music videos, it's usually just like one guy dancing. <laughs> like he's not related to the band at all, <laughs> right? Have you seen it? That was that one video. Yes, Lonely Boy. Like a couple. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, what about you? For you, Tim, who what what contemporary artist would you think? want to? I'm trying to think who's like super influential. I feel like. Oh, well, I mean, like, I think J.K. Rowling would be interesting. I'm not like a huge. Well, I mean, she's the impact she's had on like on culture oh, and stuff. OK, I mean, I'm not like a crazy Harry Potter fan, but like just mm-hmm. in terms of her perspective based on how many people she's reached. Um, who else is like along those lines as far as like impact or Stephen King? Stephen King. That would be cool. Stephen King, J.K. Rowling, like podcast. When did you listen to that? Like a one hour no. combo. No. What? Really? No. Ryan, this is, we do a podcast about two guys talking about books. You don't want to hear oh, yeah. two of the most successful authors of our generation. I'm disappointed. I got better things to do with my time. Dude, that would be like super <laughs> successful. <laughs> they would, they bring a lot to the table, I think, in, their, in yeah. terms of, you know. Mm-hmm. But neither of them were like, I mean, I don't know their personal lives, but I feel like are they as interesting as like a Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, like mm-hmm. in terms of their personal experiences? Like, I'm not saying you have to have a crazy life to write a good book, but like, I think it helps. <laughs> right? I don't know. Or maybe the people with the biggest imaginations are like just sitting at home thinking know. about stuff, right? So, see, that's just it. Like, I think that's what I, you know, y- you bring up a good point that like semi-autobiographical books are interesting because I feel like they can give more nuance and details to a story and help the, you know, actual story be more rich. But I also appreciate the person with that rich imagination that can create a story from nothing. Yeah. Create um, a whole, yeah. Conflict of, of whatever it might be like the, the the thing that pops into my mind um was like andy weir wrote the martian yeah and i like that i love that book and it was made into a movie but like to me like that whole book is so creative and well well written and like a captivating story and he did all this research into like how would somebody grow potatoes in Mars or theoretically be able to grow potatoes in Mars and, and live because the astronaut is trapped on Mars. So mm-hmm. like he did, like he, he started with his imagination and then dove into the actual uh, like realistic expectation, like what could be realistic in this astronaut stranded on Mars and wrote a story about it. And I think that is so creative and so um, great. Um, and, you know, maybe he threw some autobiographical things in there about the characters or whatnot, but 
you know, I think I still gra- gravitate to more stories like that if I'm reading fiction. Yeah, that's a good example. I think I didn't read that book. I saw the movie, but just mm-hmm. his imagination as far as creating that whole universe and like the plot behind it, I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he, that's not even his full time job. He was like a, you know, I an IT, I think, or something like yeah. he just <laughs> thought that up on the know. side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, no, I mean, back to this book, like, I mean, I thought it was a good captivating story. I mean, I liked the old guy. I mean, he talked about, um, you know, his love of the fish and the sea, but then he also talked about how he wished it was all a dream and it wasn't real because after the sharks ate the fish, he was despondent, but he wasn't, what do you say? He's like, a person can be destroyed, but not defeated. And, and, you know, he, it was, it was somewhat philosophical. I, you know, like that's the thing I read online about how it's, uh, has religious overtones. And I'm like, I didn't really pick up on that. As I was reading it, I mean, he talks about saying Hail Marys and Our Fathers, you know, but I don't know. I didn't. He, he talked about ball. baseball a lot, too. <laughs> yeah, he did. I the did Reds like that. of Cincinnati and the yeah. Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. Yeah. No, that I think, good. yeah, like what you're saying, I think uh, the old man was basically a good character, um, despite being like, you know, pretty soft spoken. But it is kind of cool that he does leave this room in your imagination to think more about his backstory, think about why he is the way he is and, and that sort of thing. And like, he'll throw in, yeah, that he like imagines the lions playing on the beach in Africa and like, mm-hmm. you know, flashbacks to like arm wrestling back in the day. And so you can kind of like in your mind, imagine a whole backstory. And I guess that's kind of the whole part of that style. That's sort of mm-hmm. interesting. It gives you room to like, you know, kind of come up with your own interpretation, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the iceberg, right? <laughs> it all comes back to the iceberg <laughs> yeah so yeah. yeah what what for you if you you know just to like start to wrap up what it could have been better as far as this book like in your mind i don't know i really liked it as it is i mean i think this is probably the 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 length of which I, the this is the length of hemingway that i like I, you know, if it was 300 pages of this, I think I would get tired of it. I may have to reread The Sun Also Rises or give Hemingway another book, another chance. But um, I thought for what it was, it was pretty good. Um, but I agree. There could have been more backstory to the old man. Um, give more depth or, yeah, to his character. Mm-hmm. Like flesh him out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do you want to do ratings? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. I'll give it a three. Yeah, yeah. me too. I was going to say three. Because I liked it, but like thinking about my ratings I've done in the past, and like it's definitely not a five, but like I can't, I just can't give it a four. It's like it's really close to a four, but no, it's a three. Sorry. Yeah. Like we can't do half stars, so we can't do 3.5, which would be nope. seven out of 10. No. Nope. So it's like it's not, a, I wouldn't give it an eight out of 10, so I have to give it a six out of 10. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So no halves. Yeah. yeah. But no, but, yeah. I mean, good pick, quick read. I mean, I think I think we're gonna have to get back into the longer books because that's yeah. what we got coming up. Yeah, I will say for the right person, this could you know be a great book. I can see oh, yeah. why it's considered you know classic yeah. literature. But um, but yeah, let's start reading some uh some long ones again. <laughs> like 400, 500 pages. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, let's not get too crazy. <laughs> yeah. All right. What is yeah. our next book? By the way, your it's your pick, right? Yep. Next book is going to be Humankind, A Hopeful History by Rucker Bergman. A so, happy book. Finally. A happy book. 
Yes. We read after reading, you picked the Doom Loop, you picked Dune, you picked the Soul of America. Soul of America was okay. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, but a lot of it was just dwelling on, like, like you know, sad stuff. Other critical points of our past history and how we rose to the challenge. You yeah. didn't find that uplifting? No, I okay, I'll be <laughs> honest. I like, yeah, no, that, that was a good book. I okay. like most of your picks, I think, better than most of mine <laughs> recently. <laughs> I'll be honest. But, I think you know. I think that is a common trend throughout our <laughs> our podcast series. Hey, I've had good ones too. Let's you've had good you've had good ones every once in a while. Yes. <laughs> Plus, our tastes are just different. So our tastes are different. Like, you know. I know. I know. I've got good taste, but that's the just okay. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the whole point of this podcast is to get us to read other books that we would never not have read otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I would have never read The Old Man in the Sea. But I'm kind of glad I did. So for everyone that wants to check out our website, it's twoguysonebook.com, where you can see all our upcoming books and even post comments if you want. And we'll share your thoughts about what we're reading next or any of our past books, too. Let us know. But All right. Until then. Until the next time. Keep reading. Keep reading. <laughs>